This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. <laughs> uh, we all need to laugh. Because if we don't laugh, we're going to cry. The Mets lose another series, another rubber game. I think this is the fifth straight rubber game they've lost. This time it's to the Philadelphia Phillies. This time it's in just epically brutal fashion. And I don't know about you, as I sat there watching the Mets build on their little 3-2 uh, to two lead and take a 6-3 lead when Pete hit the home run in the seventh, there was a part of me deep down that knew this is going to end in some kind of horrific way. I wasn't sure how, to be honest with you. Wasn't sure if it'd be the eighth inning. Wasn't sure if it'd be the ninth inning. I think my guess in the seventh inning was that we were going to get like a David Robertson meltdown. You know, David Robertson did just such a splendid job in game two of this series. Got a couple of big double plays. He called it the greatest day of his life. I think that was my kind of how is this going to go bad feel. And what's funny about that is we never even got the chance because Buck Showalter, uh, he made the mistake that I thought he learned from. Obviously not in the same spot. This isn't a winner-take-all wild card game, though it felt like it. I mean, every game this team plays as they creep closer and closer to the abyss feels like a must-win. But the New York Mets blew a game in the eighth inning. They allowed four runs on one hit, and they did it without their best reliever ever coming into the game. Now, I'll spend a little bit more time on that, but I want to be fair about this. Brett Beatty, who we all love, we all want him out there every single day, and I think his defense, for the most part, at the major league level has been solid. He done effed up. Now, let's call it like it is. We could spend 80% of this podcast ripping Buck and ripping the pitching and ripping Carrasco and ripping Billy Epler and ripping the bullpen and going through every bad thing about this team. And we probably will at some point. But Jeb Brigham comes into this game with bases loaded, nobody out. And what does he do? He gets Alec Bohm to ground into a routine double play. It is a 5-4-3 double play. And if you don't turn a double play, at the bare minimum, you're getting it out. And that play was an epic fail from beginning to end. Beatty gets to the baseball. He double clutches. It wasn't because he didn't have the ball in his hand. He double clutches, not because Jeff McNeil wasn't covering second. McNeil was there plenty of time. I have no idea why he double clutches. Then he makes the throw. It's not a perfect throw. It is a throw Jeff McNeil should catch, by the way. And for some reason, which I still can't figure out, the Mets are challenging it. There's nothing to challenge. Jeff McNeil dropped the baseball. Brett Beatty did not make a good throw. And instead of at the bare minimum, one out recorded, and it would have been a huge monstrous out at that point. Instead of that, 
instead of 6-4, first and third, one out, okay, a chance to get through it, it's 6-4 bases loaded, nobody out. So let's start right there when we talk about this epic meltdown. And we'll get to the other games in this series. We'll get to Buck. Plus, I think you'll enjoy this. My emails, the Rico Bronya emails that Pete and I get, were exploding as the game was melting down. So for a little comic relief towards the end of this pod, we'll read the emails as it was happening in live time as the Mets blew this game on Sunday afternoon. But let's start with Beatty because he's got to make that play. And this is the problem with this team. Actually, there's a million problems with this team. But if you ask me to define what happened against the Philadelphia Phillies, it's like Keith Hernandez's words from a year ago came up and bit us all in the ass. Remember what Keith said? The Phillies are terrible with fundamentals. They're a bad defensive team. He doesn't want to watch them. Well, the New York Mets put on a display of pathetic defense over the course of three games, some of which were errors, some of which were not called errors, but a lot of bad defense. And Brett Beatty not making that play on the bomb ground ball to third base, that was the exclamation point. Now, with all that said, it's still 6-4. The bases are loaded with one out. Jeff Brigham still has a chance to get through this inning. And he walks Brandon Marsh on a 3-2 pitch that was very, very, very close. He gets the huge strikeout of Cody Clemens. And then, and this is just, this is the thing that kills me. This is the... Of all the things that piss you off from game three, the Beatty error, Bucks mismanaging, how about Jeb Brigham hitting two guys back-to-back with two strikes right after the immortal Gary Cohen or Keith or Ron, somebody said it. Hey, look, they may lose this game, but you know Jeff Brigham is not afraid of the moment. Okay. <laughs> Boy, did he have fun with that moment. He hits back-to-back guys with two strikes, hit batman number one, tie game, hit batsman number two, Phillies take the lead. I mean, you can't make it up. And then, of course, of course, the great Vinny Natale comes in and gets out of it. I mean, bases loaded, one out, down a run. I'm thinking, all right, Nick Castellanos will just put us out of our misery. Bryce Harper will put us out of his misery. This actually made it worse because Castellanos strikes out and Harper flies out. And so instead of the misery just being sucked out of us, we get a ninth-inning tease only down a run. But the Philadelphia Phillies in the eighth inning put together a four-run, one-base hit, error, two-hit batsman kind of inning to take a 6-3 deficit and make it a 7-6 lead. And that's why I laugh. Because what are our options? Laugh, cry, everything in the middle? So let, I'm glad we got the Beatty thing out of the way because Beatty's got to make that play. And at minimum, you got to get it out. And to Beatty's credit after the game, he stands there in front of the locker and says, put this game on me. Good. You're right. Put the game on you. A day earlier, the Mets are turning two double plays behind David Robertson, a big part of why they held on to win four to two in Sunday's game. Brett Beatty takes a routine double play ball and F's it up on two accounts. So, yes, thank you, Brett, for holding yourself accountable. And then you got Jeb Brigham hitting back-to-back guys with two strikes on Schwarber and two strikes on Trey Turner. And then you have the manager. 
And let's this let's rip this apart, I think, in a nice, neat, organized way. If David Robertson is available, and he was, because he was warming up as the Mets were putting together their ill-fated rally in the ninth inning. If David Robertson is available, he needs to be one of the guys that comes into this game. Because as Buck has proven in his time here, and I appreciated it, sometimes the biggest out is not recorded in the ninth inning. Sometimes it's recorded in the eighth inning. So when the bases are loaded and there's nobody out, I don't care who's coming up in a 6-3 game, that's the moment to go to David Robertson. I'm telling you right now, that's the moment. You wanted to F around all day by getting anything out of Dominic Leone, by getting two innings out of Hartwig. You even tried Josh Walker to start the eighth inning. Fine, okay? Fine, I get all that. Not ripping all that. I have some questions about Carrasco coming out earlier, but we'll get to that later. But if David Robertson's available, How is he not used in a spot where the bases are loaded and nobody out? Now, let me give you a retort. Right off the top, you could say, but Evan, Jeff Brigham came in and got a double play ball. If David Robertson does that, like he did the night earlier, and Brett Beatty boots it, where does that leave you? Well, here's where that leaves you, because that very well could have happened. Where that leaves you is David Robertson, bases loaded, nobody out, up six to four and probably not walking Brandon Marsh, and probably not hitting Kyle Schwarber, and probably not hitting Trey Turner. Now, maybe he melts down and gives up a grand slam. I don't know. But I'd rather go down with Robertson than Jeff Brigham. When Buck went to Brigham, here's what I thought. I thought, wow, okay, he's not going to Robertson. He's not available. That's what I thought. Now, we'll get to the argument of why aren't these guys available in a second. But if David Robertson's not available, fine. And I understand why he's going to who he's going to. But if he's available, you have to use him in that eighth inning. And what boggles my mind is that Buck has shown us in his time here that he'll use his best reliever in the eighth inning. He's done it routinely this season. He's done it routinely last season with Edwin Diaz. So what made this game different? Oh, well, who would pitch the ninth was his answer. Vinny Natale will pitch the ninth. Jeff Brangham will pitch the ninth. And by the way, if they blow it, then we're having a different discussion. Doesn't make everything okay, but then our discussion is different. Then we know, hey, he went to Robertson in the eighth inning to get the biggest outs. He couldn't have him throw 35 pitches on a back-to-back, and that's why he went to Brangham. That's why he went to Natale. But instead, he loses this game, and he never goes to Robertson. Now, let me get to this, because this one pisses me off, too. The Mets are playing games that are monstrous. These games matter. They are not cruising in a race where, ah, we're playing for the 162. You can't play for the 162 when your season's over after 85. You know what I mean? You can't be thinking about a game in August when you got to win games in June right now because you're teetering on extinction. So please tell me this. Why was Adam Adovino not available to begin with? He's barely pitched in the last week. Yes, he pitched yesterday or Saturday, depending on when you're listening. And yes, he threw 25 pitches, whatever it was. But he didn't pitch the night before. And he didn't pitch the night before that. So I'll understand Brooks Rally. I'll get that one. I don't even get why Adovino wasn't available. And I don't want to make it seem like Adam Adovino is Eric Gagne in his prime. He's not. 
But remember who you were using in this game. You were using Leon and Hartwig and Walker and Natali and Brigham. And so as much as I may not trust Adam Adovino, he's a better option. And in a game that was so damn important, and before you know it, they won't be important because they're going to be buried alive if they aren't already. You've got to find ways to win these games. So, in summary here, the first thing I'm ripping is Beatty's defense. The second thing I'm ripping is Jeff Brigham hitting two guys back-to-back. And then we get to the manager who managed the eighth inning in a clueless fashion. And then after the game, basically said, what do you want me to do? That was his attitude after the game. I know. What do you want me to tell you? What other options that I have? I just laid out the other options. There were plenty of other options. How you doing, Pete? You feeling all right? Uh, no, I feel miserable right now. It, it is a it. When I watched it happen, my heart sunk. My 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 kids are watching. I finally got the kids to watch the game with me. Oh. You know, so it's like it's this is like the worst timing for everything to happen. And I sit there and going, you know, you're right. You everything you just laid out was perfect. And my question to you is this. If you have a pitching staff that can't go past four innings, everyone needs to be available in the bullpen. Everyone needs to be available. It doesn't make a difference anymore. You have to win these freaking games. Well, you know what it it kind of reminded me of? When he pulled Carrasco after four innings, I understood it. Because, okay, third time around the batting order, Carrasco's numbers in the fourth and fifth innings are really, really bad. Uh, Trey Turner was already two for two. He was going to lead off the fifth inning. Now he's facing Castellanos and Harper again. So while I get, you know, not loving Carlos Carrasco third time around the order, if you have a short bullpen, and Buck knows this, we don't. If you are going to make Adam Adovino unavailable, if you know you're not going to be as aggressive as you've been in the past with David Robertson in the eighth inning, then don't you try to squeeze out a fifth inning out of Carlos Carrasco. Don't you say, you know what? The pitch count's only 78. He hasn't been great. No one's going to say Carrasco was great in this game. He was actually fortunate to get through the four innings, only allowing two runs. But because of the shortness of your bullpen, because of the fact that you're going to try to somehow get five innings out of your bullpen, and that's going to include names like Dominic Leone and Grant Hartwig and Jordan Walker, Josh Walker, not Jordan Walker. I'd love for him to be on our team. Doesn't that make you think maybe I should be more aggressive with Cookie? And I'm not saying it would have worked out well. It may have worked out terribly. <laughs> Trust me, I get why you don't love Carrasco coming out for the fifth inning, but it also runs into this problem. If Carlos Carrasco, after 78 pitches, is coming out of games after four innings and allowing two runs, then how can he be a sustainable starting pitcher? Like, How could you run that guy out every five days when you have the bullpen that you have? So it was just a a horrible mix that you're taking that quick hook on Carrasco and then you're going to try to find 15 outs out of this bullpen. And the bullpen, for the most part, did a decent job. Like Dominic Leone comes in, walks the first two guys, and if it wasn't for, you know, basically Trey Turner running around the bases and a throwing error by Francisco Alvarez, he actually got out of that fifth inning. And Grant Hartwig did a great job getting through the sixth and seventh, helped out by a tremendous throw by Tommy Pham in the outfield. So they got something out of their bullpen to get those first nine outs. But then Josh Walker comes in, and he was abysmal. He is missing the strike zone 
right out the gate. You're up by three runs facing Bryce Harper. Even if he hits a ball a thousand feet, you got to be aggressive. Bryson Stott, he walks. It was just a miserable performance by Josh Walker. And just, oh, God, the, this and whole by, thing sucked. Oh. And, and that error was, was Navarez, Narvaez, not, not oh, even what did Alvarez. I say? Did I say Alvarez? My apologies. Yeah. No, and I it's apologize. okay. But, but the reason why I point that out is because everyone's going to say, well, you know, the young kid's going to make the mistakes. I'm sorry, but the veterans are making just as many mistakes. Oh, yeah, dude, dude, it's the veterans. I know Beatty made the big error on Sunday, but how about the miscommunication? And we'll get to it when we talk about the previous games from Lindor and Fam on the fly ball, the left field. I mean, how bad was that in the opener of this series? But no, but you're right. It's Omar Narvaez. And I think what makes it worse on that Turner play is there was no reason to even throw. Trey Turner had stolen third base easily. It wasn't on Omar Narvaez. He stole third base against Dominic Leone. And then for some reason forces a throw to third and it goes in a left field. And that was another bad play by Beatty because Beatty should have knocked that ball down. Instead, he doesn't. And you basically hand the Phillies a cheap run. It was not Francisco Alvarez. The only thing I'll rip Francisco Alvarez for is that he's going through a massive batting slump. He pinch hit in this game. He struck out very meekly in the seventh inning with guys on base. And Francisco Alvarez is now four for his last 34. So he's really going through a tough time offensively. But no, that error was on Omar Narvaez. And that was the story of the whole weekend. Their defense sucked all weekend. And when your bullpen's not very good and your rotation's not very good and your offense is up and down, you cannot continue to make mistakes. And the reason why the Mets lost on Friday, the opener of this series, and the reason they lost on Sunday, the finale of this series, was their defense. And by the way, how much... Does Gary Cohen hate Buck Showalter? I mean, he really hates him. He ends the game with the call of this is, you know, the most pathetic loss of the year, whatever he said, worst loss of the year, and then goes on to say, <laughs> Buck Showalter tried to not use his best relievers and it backfired. Like he threw it in on the, the closing call of this game. And I'm not sure why Gary hates Buck. I think it goes back further than when Met fans turned on Buck. Because I think he turned on him during that wild card series when he was getting on him for the the questioning of the Joe Musgrove ear. But you think Med fans want Buck fired? Oh my God, Gary Cohn may be the president of that club. And for everyone who wants him fired, after a loss like Sunday and a series like Sunday, and the answers he gave after the game, I'd have no problem if you can't his ass. It ain't gonna change anything. It's not going to fix the problems that run on this team. But if you do want to send the message at, you know, 45, 35 and 42 and just a pathetic loss in which they always seem to look so cruddy and unprepared, uh, fine. And by the way, I'll give you another area where the Mets are unprepared. Another area where the Mets make no sense. So obviously they sent Tyler McGill down, which we had pushed for, and certainly his time was up. David Peterson is starting on Tuesday. David Peterson has not pitched well in AAA. He has not. Joey Lucchese has. Joey Lucchese has been tremendous since he was demoted to AAA. So a natural question would be, why Peterson and not Lucchese? Because these brainiacs, the New York Mets, had Joey Lucchese start three days ago or two days ago. I think it was Friday. So he would not be able to start on Tuesday because he wouldn't have his regular rest. So this just boggles my mind. You know Tyler Morgellis pitched like crap. You know this already. 
Wednesday afternoon as he's getting bombed by the Astros. This organization doesn't have the foresight to say, hey, maybe we should hold off on starting Luke Casey, or maybe we throw him for an inning or two because there's a really good chance that the following week may come around and we, we may want him in the major leagues. This brain-dead organization doesn't think about that. Instead, they're going to promote the guy who least deserves to be promoted. You want to promote Mike Vassell over David Peterson, I'm good with it. You want to vote Joey Lucchese over David Peterson, of course, he definitely deserves it. But instead, this unprepared organization, and that's the biggest knock that would really hurt Buck, because Buck's always so prepared. He's prepared about everything. Yeah, prepared my ass. This organization was so unprepared for the possibility that they may need a starter on Tuesday that they're forced to have to pitch David Peterson and not Joey Lucchese, who deserves to make that start. That's the ass-backwards organization we're looking at. And Billy Epler should not be exempt because this is the garbage bullpen at the disposal of Buck Showalter. 